two extremely heavy suitcases, half a semester worth of tuition in the form of traveler's checks, I find myself exactly 14,705 miles away from home, thriving in the great American dream. Well, most stories that you hear about this kind of a journey starts off very bleak, poverty, struggle. Mine is not such a story. Mine is a story of a young man who left and came here, dropped a career that I was extremely successful at to come and search for what I've considered to be the next step. A very moving conversation is one that I had with the registrar when I first got here. Got to the school, had my two very heavy suitcases, went into Bob's office and introduced myself. He looked at me and he looked at my file and with his head tilted with curiosity, he looked at me and said, what are you doing here? Well, it is this question that I'm going to attempt to answer in this podcast. What am I doing here? Now, if you have listened to my story, you'll agree with me that I've been given many an opportunity to give thanks. Give thanks to God and acknowledge Him and be able to speak confidently of his works. I've been put in situations where for the listener it sounds crazy. For anybody who has listened to all the stories up until now you will see a pattern. You will see a pattern where the situation I'm in or the situation I find myself looks so impossible upon looking back. But being there and being the person who experienced all of this, I cannot tell you that at any point did I feel that things were going crazy. It was just the challenges of life. But when you look back now, now is when I see the miracle. Now is when I see the hand of God. And I do realize that it is not because of my own skill and my own luck or guts it is the steering wheel so to speak it is it is where i was being steered where i was being led the change in direction that i was being given at every juncture i last talked about uh, being at uh, mci and having a short stint there and uh, how successful that was it was successful it was extremely enjoyable and I forgot to mention that it, it, it was so rewarding that I bought myself a little house. My first home, so to speak, was out of the proceeds of that job. Bought myself a little house. Now I had a little car. And uh, life was good. And then I moved to this new career. Now, in order to give you an idea of what this is, oh of um, what this new career is, is imagine you have 10 friends, put them in a room and 
let's suppose each of your 10 friends are just, you know, studying up and they all have a little house and a car and, you know, they uh, help their mother out every month with whatever little that they can. So in other words, they've got responsibilities. Now, you tell your friends, listen, guys, I have an opportunity for us to go to this new company that's across town and um, sell their product. There's potential to make a lot of money. I mean, you can make as much as $5,000 a month if you work hard. How many of your friends would uh, say yes? And again, you can double that income to accommodate inflation and to put it in today's terms or triple it or whatever the case may be. I don't know if your friends would raise their hand and say, okay, let's go. Probably all 10 of them, you know, they're just starting up. They just got out of college, you know, ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 a month. Sounds like a pretty good gig. Now, at the end of that vote, so to speak, you're going to tell your friends that, hey, there's just one kicker to this whole thing. This money that I'm talking about is 100% commission. What that means, guys, is that if you don't sell this product, you get paid close to nothing. You won't be able to afford your car payment. You won't be able to afford the insurance. You won't be able to afford the house payment. You won't be able to afford anything. Even supporting your mom, like you say you do every so often. You won't be able to afford any of that because you wouldn't have sold. So now that everybody knows it's a 100% commission, how many of you guys would come with me now? I would venture to say that number will probably reduce significantly. If you've got one or two people left in that room out of the 10, then I say that's a pretty good number. You're pretty fortunate. This is exactly what was happening when I left MCI to go into the car business. Again, this is not because there were no other jobs that would have guaranteed me an hourly rate somewhere. I'm sure if I'd looked hard enough, I probably would have found one. I don't know. But I took this challenge. One would like to believe I took it because of my background. I'd come from a commission-only job. I'd been in a restaurant where you get paid a dollar, whatever it was, an hour. And if you don't smile and make friends and do a good job with the tables that you get, you're not going to get a good tip. So one would say I had experience. I'd come from a job where it was 100% commission. I sold life insurance and pension plans for a living for a few years and did very well. So again, one could say, hey, you have experience doing that. And yes, I did have experience, but this was a completely different environment, different country. And it's no longer just the tuition that I'm trying to raise or the Roman board that I'm trying to raise with my waiting job. But we're now at a stage where there's a little more to lose. You've got a house. You bought some furniture. All on credit. You've got a car payment every month. Insurance every month. So it's, it's slightly different. The stakes have gone up a little bit. Have they? I'd say they have. So what do you attribute all of this to? What do you say about all of this? Experience or not? This is something interesting that is happening here. We go into the car business and... You start learning something totally new. First of all, the sales that I'd been involved in so far, selling 
an extra dessert here and there. That was different. I had a captive audience. When people came to dine at the steakhouse, I'll do my job, I'll smile, I'll be as fast as possible, apologetic when the kitchen is, is uh, running behind. Whatever needed to be done, I did. And I tried to bend over backwards to make sure that the folks that were dining with me were happy and everything was going well. I did a fairly good job of that, I believe. They'll have their meal, drinks topped up, all the good stuff. At the end of the meal, I always, before I brought the check, I always brought this big tray of desserts and I'll place it right in front of them, whoever I think I've got the best relationship with, and I say, which one of these are you gonna have? See, I never ask them. Like now I go to a restaurant and the staff always ask me, do you have room for dessert? And I always smile and said, oh God, no, I'm stuffed. The good ones, and I've met maybe one or two, the good ones do what I used to do. I'll just bring the dessert and let your eyes tell you that you've got room for dessert. If nothing else, you can just share it, folks. You don't need to get two of them. You can just take one and share it. Or you can take some home if you don't finish it. So I always was able to sell a little bit more because I didn't give the people an option really to decide whether they want it or not. I showed it to them and then they'd made the decision. And even then, the verbiage I used was never a yes or no answer. I was asking which one of the seven wonderfully uh, 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 decorated or whatever desserts they were going to have, whether it was a cheesecake or a death by chocolate or whatever the case might be. I was just asking them which one they wanted. Which one was I unwrapping? Do you want two forks or three forks? Do you want one a piece or are you going to share one? Or are we going to share two or three at a table? So that was different. These people were sitting there in front of me. They had already spent money with me on their meal. Now I'm just looking for the cherry on the cake, so to speak. But boy, whew. Car sales, that's different, totally different. You don't have a captive audience because they're comparing you with 10 other people. You've got to really put on your best game. They've got to like you, like you a lot. You've got to have a decent product. That's the only way that you're going to survive. So putting on your best game is an understatement. You have got to make sure that within the first 30, 45 seconds, those people like you because if you don't you don't have the reputation of the steakhouse to help you you don't have the reputation oh they make a wonderful steak to to for them to sit down anyway and say we're gonna we're gonna eat here even though this young man is not the best so with car sales you're the steakhouse you're the steak you're the server you're the host you're everything so it is important to be able to be liked right off the bat because people will buy from people they like more than they'll buy something they like from somebody they don't like. I've experienced this in my own life, but it certainly holds true to car sales. I also found out different environment, like I say, different country, different culture, that people are not honest. There's no such thing as integrity. Oh yeah, I, I, I you know, I spent three hours with this young person and I said I was going to come back and buy and I'm going to go back and buy from them. Forget that. That didn't exist. They'll find somebody else who saves them $500 or whatever and they'll buy from them. So it was a interesting time, interesting business. But what I had that a lot of people didn't have is that I had the foundation. 
I had the strength, the tenacity, and I had the ability to learn. One thing I was able to learn very well in college was the ability to learn. To be able to say, listen, I don't know anything about this business. I'm going to listen to those who do. I'm going to copy those who do. I'm going to say everything they're asking me to say, everything they're telling me to say, the way they want me to say it. I'm just going to play dumb and soak in all this knowledge. So while I'm listening to these folks, I'm learning as much as I can. Every now and again, I get the opportunity to infuse my own personality into what I'm being taught how to do and what to do and how to say it. So I learned the car business. I learned how to sell. I learned how to ask for the sale right now. I learned how to be pleasantly forceful in the sense that I want the decision to be made right now because I realize that very few people will come back after they have looked at your product, spent some time with you and told you they're going to come back. Oh, we're going to go think about it and come back. I learned very quickly that people were not going to do that. See, the world that I came from, if somebody says, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll be back. Oh, why don't you come and see me next week? I knew next week I'm going there with my receipt book and they're going to hand me a check for their life insurance and I'm going to give them a receipt and they're going to follow it up and do the medicals and all the kind of stuff that's needed. But here, no. In fact, you know, I've, I've got a story for you. I, I, I remember there's a, a time I'm, I'm standing there um, close to the door and it's raining outside. And this lady gets out of a car in the rain she goes and she's looking at this car and she's looking and nobody else is going out there in the rain. And I take my umbrella, you know, run out to go and see her. And I greet her and we're standing under the umbrella and we're talking a little bit, you know, usual. Long story short, end up taking this lady on a test drive. Showed her the car, showed everything else, blah, 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 took on a test drive. And he says to me, you know, I really want to thank you because I've been to a couple of dealerships and nobody came out to talk to me. Um, because it was raining. I really appreciate you coming and talk to me. So I said, oh, well, great. You know, I've done a good job here. And uh, we looked at the vehicle, and the lady seemed to like the vehicle, and says, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm going to come back uh, tomorrow. Um, I'm going to come back tomorrow, and then we can finalize everything tomorrow. So in my mind, all the boxes had been checked off, right? She had said she likes the vehicle, and she's going to come back tomorrow. I had done a decent job and uh, I was going to have a sale tomorrow. Little did I know <laughs> that um, she wasn't coming back. So I'm all fired up. I'm talking to my manager at the time and I'm like, yeah, I yeah, no, no. She, she said she'll be back tomorrow. She's very happy and uh, she was very complimentary and she really liked the fact that, you know, I came out and helped her in the rain and all this stuff and all this stuff. And he's smiling. You know, at the time, I didn't know what he was smiling, but he's smiling at me and he's nodding. He's, you know, obviously at the back of his head, he's like this. This young guy has got no idea what he's, what he's talking about or what he's, what he's gotten himself into. Anyway, so she didn't come back and uh, followed up, called a few times. And I think, I can't remember after how many calls, um, did I find out that uh, she bought a car somewhere else? I was, I was, I was almost heartbroken. I was like, what? I gave her the best service. Why would she do that? Why wouldn't she buy from me? 
you know, she said she liked the car. She was happy with my service. Why wouldn't she buy from me? And then that point I realized that people needed help to make up their mind. Very few times do people come out and say, or at least um, go leave their home and say, I'm going to buy a car today. They often leave their home and say, I'm going to look and see, um, look at some vehicles because I might be thinking of buying a car within the next three months, whatever the case might be. The now aspect is you, the salesperson. You have been able to position it. You have been able to help them realize that the right time to be doing it is right now. The right time to be buying this vehicle is right now. That's you, the salesperson. It's not them deciding. You know, in, in, in sales, we, we, we say that a car is sold, is hardly ever purchased. So that's exactly what I learned. Learned the hard way, but I learned it anyway. The car business was interesting in the sense that it taught me a lot about sales that I hadn't realized. It taught me a different angle of sales. It gave me a different perspective of sales. And it was certainly easier in a sense that you were selling something tangible that they could touch, feel, and see. But at the same time, it was a different kind of business in the sense that nobody was ever ready. I mean, in, in my 20-some years now, uh, fast forward to today, 20-some 20, 20 years of, of, of being in the car business, I have met probably less than a handful of customers that have come in and said, hey, I'm looking, I want to buy XYZ. I want to buy this vehicle today. I've met very few of those, if any. I, I don't think I could count five people that have, I've met that said, you know what? I'm here to buy this truck. I want it in red and such and such and such and such maybe once or twice, and that's it. So it was a different angle, learning different ways of doing things, but it was a gamble. It was a huge gamble to go in there knowing that you're not guaranteed any money and you've got all these bills to pay. Again, I asked myself the question, is it because I was naive? Is it because I was cocky? I just felt that, hey, I can, I can do it. What was it? What, what was it that encouraged me to hang in there? Because certainly the first month wasn't glorious, neither was the second month. But I knew that if I keep at it, if I learn this, it can be beneficial, financially beneficial. I could make good money if I learned how to do this. But I have to, have to ask that question that would you say that, hey, this happened because of me? This is all me. I was just one of those people that were very confident in myself. And because of the confidence I had in myself, I mean, it all just worked out. You know, I, I never gave up. That road was tough. Believe me, it was tough to be in that environment and to come from a job. Remember, I, I just left a job that um, was starting to give me a little bit of a life that I, I kind of liked. It's like, okay, I've got a little bit of money. Now you don't have any money anymore. Now you have to make a sandwich to bring it to work because you can't afford to go down the street and buy, you know, Subway or whatever it was. It's a different ball game. But again, we go back to being able to see the light at the end of the tunnel or trusting what is being shown to you. Do you have faith in what you are being shown? 
Do you have faith in what is being put in your spirit? Do you have faith in that which you cannot see? Because I, there was nothing there to tell me that, hey, you're going to be good at this. Just because you're good at selling life insurance does not mean you're good at selling cars. It doesn't mean that at all. I sold life insurance to executives and executives only. Here I'm selling cars to everybody, known to men. From somebody looking at a $5,000 car to somebody looking at then a you know, $40,000 car. So you're dealing with all walks of life. Not that that matters, but the point is it's a different clientele. It's a different product. So where do you place your trust is the question. In your training, absolutely. You've got to listen to what is being said and you've got to learn how to do it. But you also have to give credit to that which places that in your spirit. And if you don't do that, you're going to spend the rest of your life thinking you can do it all. But you cannot. Not by yourself. You have to include, you have to include God who puts it in your spirit, who gives you the strength to run, gives you the strength to stay the course, gives you the strength not to give up, tells you in your spirit that you can do it, shows you in your spirit money that you don't have, shows you in your spirit a career that you don't have. See, I always saw myself as being a leader. Even when I was selling cars, I knew I could feel, I knew that I wouldn't be doing this forever. I knew that I would be amongst the leadership of this place, of this industry. At some point, I had to learn how to do it. I had to put in my time. So, putting my time is exactly what I did. I learned how to sell cars. I was never the number one guy. But I was always, always in the top five. Always. Month in, month out. So, what that does for you is it allows you to grow. Something new always allows you to grow. If you let it. If you understand that this is an opportunity for me to grow. This is an opportunity for me to expand my knowledge. Growth comes from you being humble enough. From you being obedient to that which is in your heart. That's that which is in your spirit. Are you humble enough? Are you obedient to the knock on the door? Are you obedient to the nagging urge that you're feeling every day? That there's more out there. I can do more. I can be the manager. I can be the general manager. I can be the owner. I can be the president of this company. I can own my own company. I can do other things. There's something inside you that is burning. Why don't you let it out? Why don't you let it be? Why don't you be a power steering wheel? Like I said before. Why don't you allow yourself to be turned left or to be turned right? Because you feel it. You know it. It's been nagging you for years. But you suppress it because of fear. You suppress it because you think you know better. But the truth is, folks, I didn't know any better. You don't know any better. I guarantee you, though, if you follow your heart and follow what's in your spirit, God knows better. <laughs>